Rather than one 12-minute homily, today you get two six-minute homilies. First, we have the discussion of the priesthood of Christ and the heavenly liturgy in our reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Two weeks ago, I preached about the three priesthoods in Christianity, the perfect priesthood of Christ, the universal priesthood of the baptized, and the ordained priesthood of the hierarchy. Well, priesthood is always associated with liturgy. So where does liturgy show up for these three priesthoods? The liturgy of the ordained priesthood is obvious, because that's why we're here this morning. But where does the liturgy of the baptized happen? I would argue it happens in our homes. The daily routines of praying when we wake up in the morning or before we go to sleep, of prayers over meals, of prayers before travel, these are true liturgies, a true offering of the world up to God. For those who live in families, oftentimes the family rosary or the prayers at bedtime constitute a profound liturgy that we would all do well to cultivate. When I am at family homes for dinner, my rule is always that the homeowners, as the priests of the household, offer the prayer before meals. Of course, just as the baptized and ordained priesthoods merely participate in the perfect priesthood of Jesus, so too both of these liturgies, the liturgy of the home and the liturgy of the church, merely participate in the perfect liturgy of Jesus Christ. And what is the perfect liturgy of Jesus? The letter to the Hebrews says, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by hands, a copy of the true one, but heaven itself, that he might now appear before God on our behalf. You want to understand this passage? In the book of Exodus, when Moses first erects a tent in which to offer sacrifices to God, it is clear the very exact measurements given to Moses are intended to mimic something that already exists. They mimic the heavenly sanctuary that is copied by Moses on earth. Moses' sanctuary and the sanctuary of the Jewish temple are both copies of this heavenly sanctuary. So if we were to continue this analogy, in Jewish ritual, in order to enter the sanctuary, in order to enter the presence of God, the Jewish priests had first to make atonement for themselves and the people by sprinkling the blood of sacrificed animals. So when Jesus the priest offered himself as a sacrificial victim on the altar of the cross... His shed blood admitted him not into a copy of the heavenly sanctuary, like we would find in Exodus or the Jewish temple, but his shed blood allowed him to enter into the eternal heavenly sanctuary. This is what Hebrews means when it says, Jesus entered a sanctuary, not a copy, not one made by human hands, but heaven itself. 
The perfect liturgy of Jesus is the liturgy of the Jews carried out by Jesus once for all eternally in heaven. A liturgy that atones for sins through offerings and sacrifices made to the Father. This is the perfect liturgy in which our own priestly liturgies participate. When we offer our liturgies at our home altars or on the altar in the church, we are joining with Jesus in offering ourselves to our Father in heaven. Whereas before Jesus, our offerings were always imperfect, mere copies of the true liturgy of heaven, now through Jesus, through our baptism, our offerings are perfectly offered by him eternally. At Mass, Jesus offers himself as the community united under the headship of the ordained priest. At home, Jesus offers himself in each individual soul. In both cases, he is offering on our behalf, in the presence of his Father, all of our worries and our thanksgivings and our joys and our pains. One last note on this theme. It is this idea that the Mass is merely a participation in the heavenly liturgy that makes me so hesitant to add anything into the celebration of Mass itself. If we are doing a special event or celebration, unless it's another sacrament, I try very hard to keep it either before or after the Mass. And that's because the Mass is not something that we create. It's not something that we have the authority to change or to modify. It's received. It's received from heaven itself through the Church. Though the Mass has developed somewhat over the centuries, its basic form has always remained constant. And even the changes we see are slow modifications over time, prompted by the Holy Spirit, working through the entire worldwide church. Anything that I individually might want to add to the Mass always seems to fall flat or ring hollow for me. Because when I consider that compared to the fact that the Mass is a participation in heaven itself, how can I compare with heaven? Now, in case you forgot, that was homily number one. I don't want to ignore the gospel. It's a beautiful gospel and an important story. So to enter into that, as a pastoral minister, it's my privilege to walk with people in difficult situations. Sometimes we might be discussing a terminal diagnosis or a family member living a dangerous lifestyle or the death of a loved one or economic hardships or any other number of things that make someone feel like their entire world is ending. And as I walk with these folks, I know that there is nothing I can do to fix their hardships. These are rarely solvable problems. So instead, I focus our conversation on what God has actually promised us. He never promised us a life without suffering or hardship. In fact, he promised the opposite to his followers, whom he commanded to take up their crosses and follow him. 
He never promised us that our families would be perfect or that we would never have to confront disease or death. Instead, it seems to me that the only thing he ever promised us was that he would be with us always until the end of the age. Which is to say that it is rare that God would miraculously solve our problems. He does, but it's rare. Instead, he almost always removes the power of the problem over us. Because he remains with us always, we can always find faith, hope, love, consolation, and peace in him. Even when we are confronted with suffering or hardship or worry, we know that we are not alone and that he is helping us carry our crosses, which means we no longer have anything to fear. I have seen people endure tremendous distress with grace because they have remained faithful to the Lord. So, now, consider the two widows in our readings, both destitute, both down to their last meal. And yet, motivated by their faith, they keep God first, even if it means their own destruction, because they know their only hope is in him. The widow of Zarephath explains the situation to Elisha, but when she is given the assurance that God will take care of her, she unhesitatingly gives her last meal to the prophet. And the widow at the temple, even without anybody assuring her, trusts that the Lord will surely look with favor on her lowly sacrifice. The Bible doesn't tell us how these two women fared. Sure, the widow of Zarephath ate for the duration of the famine, but that's certainly far from any kind of comfortable lifestyle, and we have no idea what happened to her after Elijah left her household. And we also have no idea what happened to the widow at the temple. Jesus says that she has contributed all she had her whole livelihood. Does that mean that she went home from the temple and died of starvation? Now, I will say, I have seen the dynamic of the widow of Zarephath play out lots of times with the people I accompany. God may allow them to go right up to the edge, but if they remain faithful to him, I've never seen them go over the edge. The Lord really does look after his people. Which forces us to ask the question, if we are down to our last two coins, literally or emotionally or spiritually, do we think that giving those coins to God is going to be a waste? Do we jump into an attitude of self-preservation, where we stop relying on God and only rely on ourselves? Or do we go for broke and give God everything we have left? I refuse to believe that this widow, who has been memorialized for two millennia in the Gospels, was allowed to go home and die after giving her whole livelihood to God. So, too, I refuse to believe that the Lord will fail to look after and accompany any of you, no matter how bleak your challenges may appear, if you simply give your entire selves to him. <laughs>